Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 553 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined, as always, by the Bobcat in crime, Mr. Bobcat, Ohio Bobcat, Kyle Bradkey, and Funky Ben Askren, the funky one. How you are you today? You know what I... Uh... I was just realizing I missed while we were uh, doing the intro there. It's obviously the air coat thing, and I realize it gets harder the higher you go. Um, yeah. But then, you know, Kyle Bradkey, he owes us an alien hour tomorrow. I do. I plan on you having one. I... Oh, you already have one. All right. I don't have one, we need but to... I will have one. All right, you know what? Let's, let's make a declaration, Ben. You and I, let's make a declaration. Yeah. Every Thursday is alien hour. So it's just Whoa. up to him to produce the aliens. Aliens in the, right. a cryptid, a conspiracy theory, a demon house. My brother Weston is watching. He's got freaked out by the demon house. That was that's creepy stuff. I don't I don't remember the demon house. I think I've listened to every episode. Well, was that that might have been before you were doing the show? <clears throat> it was. No, no, but even even oh, yeah, when I didn't, I listened. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's a bad one. Uh, we looked it up the other day, which which show it was. Yeah, we'll send it to you. you yeah. It's a bad one. Everyone went crazy. There was a, there were police. We had police documents on that one. I had police documents. Uh-oh. Yeah, it was wow. it was that serious, dude. So anyway, okay. Hey, happy Metcalf Day! Uh, you're gonna be able to watch it today if you want to. Hopefully, you do. Many of you do, and we're really excited about that. And uh, well, I have a conspiracy theory, Christian. Oh, here we to, go. But I well, you know, listen. You you came up with this idea that you have a meeting today and you have to leave. <laughs> you know, a little bit early. And I, Christian, I've never. Had you had we've never had that happen? I've been on the show nine months now. This has never happened. It does. And it just so happens the day we're doing the Metcalf doc. So could it be that you know you're saying it's coming out at, at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, and there is no Metcalf doc? And as soon as you get done with the show, you got the first flight out to Mexico. The only way we'll know, and that's the thing, there's no way to know. We'll just have to tune in tomorrow and see. I am alleging that I have a meeting uh, that I have to be in at nine o'clock. So this is gonna be a quicker show. But yes, we won't know until tomorrow if I'm in, if I go to Mexico. Is that a golden mug? Ben is yeah, so you know what? One of my sponsors, uh, Itaro, sent me this, and I, I I really like it. It's really fancy. It's very. But you know what I, I like most? It's very wide, like this. So you can put a lot of coffee in. You, I can't stand the narrow mugs. You can put barely any coffee in there. It's so dumb. So dumb. Fatten them up. <laughs> yes, and you know I was actually thinking. I was thinking, I knew, you know what, you were going to say something about Itoro when I, when I had this mug. And I was thinking, oh, wow. why haven't you, you guys set, set me up? A, why haven't you sent me a flow mug? Hey, when come uh That's so rude. I I will say it, it's a lot easier to mail a shirt than uh, a, a glass mug. We make, or okay. whatever it's made out of. Um, wait, wait, aren't you coming in October? Ceramic, I guess. It's all glass then I to have me. to transport it. I'm totally going to break it. Okay, this is, you see my problem. I'd, I'd rather put it in your hands. Just walk, just yeah, go but, through security with it in your hand. I, I'll, we'll send you home with multiple. We have a couple. We have the red ones and the black ones. We'll give you a mug. I feel like we need to uh, talk about who's number one next week. I don't think we've talked about that much. Um, I agree with and you. I know it's more difficult than in, in most years because, you know, usually we got something to talk about. These guys for Argo or UWWs or Junior Duels or, you know, one of these things. And, you know, now this year we have nothing to talk about, and for me, I don't think it's the same thing as for you. But we're kind of stuck here in Wisconsin on an island because we have travel restrictions for our state, so barely anyone goes anywhere. 
So I am not super into like say Iron Man or Powerade or that, that type of stuff because there's no Wisconsin teams there, right? But we're always at all those summer and spring events. You watched the Nittany Line event. How how close to 100% do you think the, the wrestlers were, right? And, and my follow-up is going to be, if you had a kid at, at who's number one this year, and let's say they're wrestling next week. How close to um, 100% do you think they would be in terms of, like, optimization? I, I mean, I don't see – we just wrestled last weekend. I don't see why the kids can't be full go. I mean, you know, actually, a lot of them have been putting in a lot of time. And so I think that, you know, we've actually had a period to make some improvements. So, I, you know, I've seen some kids get better in some positions. Obviously, and that's a little bit different. You're having more growth in a high school kid than you may be in a high school or a college guy. And definitely more growth than you'd be having in a senior-level athlete. Um, so I, I would say that I would be pumped. You know, we don't have any who's number one guys this year, but I think they're definitely ready to wrestle. They've had this block of uh, time where they haven't had to compete at all, where they've been able to focus on their training and get better. And uh, I think it's been, you know, not ideal, obviously, but beneficial in certain circumstances. Okay. All right. Yeah. One. Uh, this has nothing to do with anything, but I need you. To, I need you to talk some sense into me here. I really, oh. I, I'm really having a hard time having a good attitude about Caleb's baseball playing. He's playing right. a bunch. It's taken away from. He's he can only go to wrestling once a week now. I he had a double header last week. It was really boring. He doesn't get to do much at all because that's how baseball works. I, I t- tell he me only nine or eight or something. He's, he's nine. The clock's nine. ticking, Ben. <laughs> no, it's not going to play baseball. All right, he's fine. Okay, good. He's nine. All right. Yeah. Good. Good to know. Thank. You. That's all I needed to hear. Hey, I, I can promise you, Lee Roper is not going to start recruiting him at age nine. <laughs> Crap. All right. I guess yeah, he's man. not going to get on the Panther train. Uh, okay. Next question. Although Lee Roper is the one that got my mind spinning. <laughs> you know that, right? When you were out, yeah, he was basically I mean, yeah, like. I disagree with him a little bit, but sure. Okay. He was basically like the kids that are good now were really good when they were like seven. But that's just not true. That's just not true. And so I would not say, obviously, there's certain kids who were good then and they're still good now, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's 100% true. And because of the way the wrestling system works, I think you would probably, you're probably having that happen more frequently than it, than it could if people had kept them in mind. And, and you know, we had a kid like, um, right, a couple of kids, Mason Deal and Jack Gandalf, both had their first nationally ranked wins as seniors in high school. It's like, no, they weren't at that level when they were in eighth grade or seventh grade, and let, let alone seven years old. I mean, if you want to take me, both those kids, they weren't even good at the, on the state level in sixth and seventh, sixth and seventh grade, which is, what's that, 12, 13, 14 years old, let, yeah. alone seven, let alone seven years old. They weren't even good at the state level. They were bad. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then they started getting better as they were seventh and eighth graders. And, you know, but still at the national level, they struggled. And now they're finally starting to find some success as seniors in high school. And so it's like that that sentiment, oh, that sentiment just isn't true. And if you and so, you know, one of the reasons I think we have so much success as coaches is because we we continue with that. Like, hey, Parker Keckeisen, what was he ranked number two when he graduated high school? Guess what? Parker Keckeisen was fourth place at youth state in eighth grade. Fourth place in Wisconsin in the state tournament, youth state tournament. Yeah. Okay. You know, and so we we continue to have the thought process that if we work with these kids, they can get better. And then, in fact, they do get better. But there's so many coaches that say, if my kid ain't good at seven, he ain't going to be good. And they literally stop giving a lot of kids attention and they focus all their intensity on a few good kids. And so, yeah, there there is um, 
uh, what do you call that? When you think something's gonna be true, so then you make it happen. Confirmation bias. Oh, yeah, self-fulfilling prophecy. No, that's, that's what I'm Self-fulfilling prophecy. There is a self-fulfilling prophecy in that when, yes, you have that thought that only ten, only kids who are good in their ten can be good, and so you only work with those three good kids in your club, and then, boom, they get good, and so you you fulfill that prophecy to yourself, and then you, you know, you further exacerbate it by by continuing to think that's true. When you know, I could give you Jacob Roshka didn't win a U State title. I mean, right? I could give you guy after guy in our club. Now, obviously, there were a couple that were good, like. Keegan O'Toole was good when he was younger, okay? But yeah. then I would go, hey, he was 2-2 two and two at Super 32 as a sophomore. So then, you know, would some, someone said, well, he sucks, I should bail on him? Like, nah, he just he needed some time to get a little better. Yeah. So You should have yeah, bailed. I, you should have bailed, dude. <laughs> Keegan, you're out. Yeah, you're out. You only went 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Okay. So Reese Humphrey put out an interesting tweet. I want to talk about it a little bit. Uh, he said, I like it. I've heard a lot of people say they don't want to wrestle in the U.S. Open because there isn't prize money and it's not a qualifier. Whatever happened to putting uh, getting matches and competing for a national title? Put your pride on the line. I just wanted your kind of initial reactions to that because I heard that yesterday as well, unrelated yeah. to Reese or anyone you know I think affiliated with Reese, but I think that's a, a sort of a pervasive thought about the senior nationals, and that corresponds, maybe not corresponds, but you know we're kind of sitting refreshing registration every day and seeing. You know, <laughs> Nobody. okay, uh, who's no one's really registered of note. The guy that yeah. the, the old guy that wrestled Colin Moore, what's his name? Eric Hinckley. Eric Hinckley. He entered, but other than him, both styles, both styles. <laughs> other than him, we don't have a lot of recognized names. So, um, well, I think this goes back to, and this is, you know, one of the things I really felt when I was trying to start both pro leagues is. What is the significance of this? Mm-hmm. Okay, and the truth—the truth of the matter was there there wasn't any. Okay, there was there was no significance to it, and any organization or thing it takes time to develop significance. And so, what's the significance of a of a real U.S. Open is that everyone's going to be there and you win, and everyone everyone in the country will recognize you as number one. But with this one, we all know that the guys who are already qualified for the Olympic trials, which is almost everybody, right? Um, they're probably not going to show up. So no one's really going to recognize this in the wrestling community as a real national title. So you could call it a national title, but if your peers don't recognize it as such and don't treat it as such, then, then it takes away the meaning. Um, and then, so the second way to give meaning to something is, um, is money, right? Is to give money. And then he said, there's no prize money. So it's like with, with those early wrestling events I was doing, and I'm going to contrast them with what you guys are doing now. You know, my cap on a payment of someone was $1,500 or $3,000. And to a lot of guys, that wasn't significant. It just wasn't a lot of money. To whereas, you know, so what you guys are able to pay a few people these days, that has a lot of significance since you can bring people in. But then, you know, if you want to do a long-term pro league, it can't only be about the money. There has to be some significance to being the champion, right? So, like, being the UFC champion, with take the money away. Take all the payments away. There is value in being the UFC champion. And so I think that's kind of the way to look at it. Yeah. I, I, I think it's um, – well, well, I guess the difference between the UFC <laughs> oh, and the previous – Oh, sh- Bracky! What? What? Your man Eric Kinkley is Facebook messaging you. The oh, one I you know. Just bullied. You just bullied him. How did I bully whoop him? your butt. I said he was, he was in the old guy that wrestled – no, he's he the, the old guy that wrestled Colin Moore. He's listen. 
I'm sorry, should I describe him as young? I'm pumped to watch Aaron Tinkley. I, even... I follow I follow uh, it, we, uh, we I follow went on a... his Facebook he has a Facebook page and I've been watching him work out. He's he's ready to go. He's on he's on fighting weight already. Okay. Alright. He's ready to go. Yeah. Alright. We haven't disparaged. We I think right. I was, believe we was... ac accurately described his age relative to the competition. It was piles that called an old guy, I forgot. Yeah. He could be Colin Moore's dad, probably. Okay. All right. Fair That's enough. All right. Go, Keith. Sorry. Uh, Eric no, no, that was good. Me. Eric Hinkley yeah. distracted you. That's okay. Um, no, so I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. I feel like the if you're looking for, okay, why should a senior athlete do it this year when, mm -hmm. okay, it doesn't bear any qualification, anything for the process to make a team. There's no cash prize, which, to my knowledge, there's never been a cash prize for the U.S. Open. Unless uh, you're, yeah, you're, there were some. I, I mean, I got paid three thousand bucks for winning. Now, oh, really? Money, but yeah, I believe there. So I believe USA Wrestling has payment structures. If you win X, oh. you know, X tournament, or and I think like internationally, it's the same thing. Maybe it's like three, two, one, three thousand for first, two thousand for second, one thousand for third. I, you know, I oh. could be incorrect here by a little bit, but there's definitely something. Oh, that's interesting. I'd never realize that. They don't. They yeah. should talk about that more. They should advertise that. Yeah. So, um, I think when you we consider that, I think the the biggest benefit. What is the meaning? It's like for so many people, it'll be your first competition back in an Olympic year, right? Mm -hmm. And just the the value yeah. of of getting matches. And I, I think that's the that'll be the main thing for it. Why why uh, why an athlete would would want to compete, right? And, I think it's good that guys want to get paid to wrestle. I think that's great, and I think it's it's good that they want there to be some meaning behind what they're wrestling in. But I think the the real meaning is, hey, you've, you've many of you haven't wrestled for seven eight months. Get 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 a couple matches in and and see where you're yeah. at. Yeah, that's I mean that's that's what I would say, Christian. Is that they ju they just need to get matches, because um, where else are these guys going to wrestle? I mean, Bo I mean, Nickel, Bo Nickel is. For USA Wrestling, close to as good as it gets, right? He is top 1% echelon of wrestlers in America. Yep. This guy had rust, right? Allegedly. He, was, he allegedly – oh, you don't think he was rusty? You don't, you think I that, don't know. I, I have my own I, I have my own beliefs about ring, ru you know, ring rust or mat rust. I don't really know that it totally exists. I okay. think it's more of a state of, state of mind, which, you know, Bone, I guess, could have that debate. Um well, wouldn't a but, state uh, of mind also? I mean, sure. Doesn't state of mind? Yeah, it, that all factors in, right? It's incumbent on you to get yourself in the right state of mind in order to compete optimally. Okay. Well, you, you know, could say and the obviously, same for Ringer though, maybe as well. Maybe they're both rusty. Yeah. Sure. That, that's fair. Uh, but I, yeah, I just think if the athlete can get himself mentally ready, then the rust is not, you know, it isn't and should not be there. I don't know. There's not a there's not a big track record for that bow not getting himself ready i think there's yeah. just something about this guy's been training he's been training with the best in the best room yeah. right if anyone yeah. shouldn't be rusty it should be him and he he was right yeah. in my opinion in my bow i don't think i don't think bow would think that was his best performance i think he even said so, that so christian if they don't wrestle at the us open though where are they going to wrestle i mean if that's, we what, have that's an what i'm event, saying yeah, I don't know, but that's only. I mean, if you have an event that's eight, that's eight contestants. I mean, how many senior level wrestlers yeah, are there in America? I mean, there's not a guaranteed opportunity. That's for sure. There's no guaranteed opportunities. So for me, 
I, you know, I would say if I even think the senior level guys on kind of a, just a regular basis that they compete a little too infrequently, maybe as they get older, you know, they don't need to do it as frequently, but especially those younger guys right out of college. I mean, do they need to get 40 matches like a college season? No, I don't think so. But should they be getting, I don't know, between 20 and 30 matches, which is, you know, eight, eight tournaments, maybe eight to 10 tournaments. Yeah. I would think that if it was feasible for them, that they should be doing that much wrestling. Yeah. Uh, it would seem, it would seem like a, a decent idea, but in, maybe on the other hand is, okay, how prepared are we to, to wrestle right now? The training situation, if you're in the Northeast, what are you able to do? Right. How much have you been able to train? I, uh, I secret, secret garages and stuff, secret garages, I guess. But, that's, what, that's what Yanni was training in, wasn't he? And that's like what the Rutgers garage. facility. It's not okay. a secret. Secret garage. Secret garage. But he's probably then, not training then, there full time, I bet. I bet he's training somewhere. Where else is he training? I don't know. Uh, he's got math in his garage in Rochester. Secret secret I've layers. Seen him. Big shout Rochester, New York. That's where And then I, the uh the uh the one in that you filmed the um New Jersey RTC guys, that looks like kind of like a secret garage. That's uh, that's uh the Van Ness Club. Rod- Rodney? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rodney Van okay. Ness. The- What's it called? What's the club called? I don't know. Secret don't know. Garage Training Club. Secret Garage Shane Van Ness <laughs> Training Club room. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know what it's called. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know what if we'll see. Guys, oh, I do know. I got to hit, hit him back, actually. But, um, Johnny Rajano hit me up and said, hey, we're Titan Mercury is going to be sending a squad. Don't worry. Well, that's what I was going to say is you look at the men's freestyle entries and uh, – I mean, we talk about this all the time. People are notorious for entering late, and there are no men's freestyle Titan Mercury guys. And, you know, yeah. obviously they're, they're the, the biggest. biggest club. Right. Um, yeah. It looks like their women are in. Like, there's a good number of Titan Mercury women in, but the men aren't. So, And I know Gilman, Gilman said he plans on, on wrestling. I believe Yanni told us he plans on wrestling. We spoke to a number of colleges that plan on sending guys, but they're still not in. Um, yeah. So. And I think I mean, the other thing – some of the colleges are waiting for juniors and U23s, which I think we're going to get. You're going to get some more information about juniors U23s, I think, today from USA Wrestling. So stay tuned for that. Okay. Um, nice. Look look for that. Well, do you, I mean, U23 Worlds was canceled, so I think it's probably unlikely they host that competition. But U20s, I mean, is that what you're thinking also or no? Well, I think it would be like a, a nationals, right? Even if maybe it is just junior. No, it's not. Okay. Just Uh-oh. junior. Recky knows something. He just let it on. Yeah. Okay. It, well, U23, it'll be like a nationals. Okay. Maybe not a trials. So we'll, we'll not qualify for worlds, but. Um, We've had U23s or, or called it universities with when we weren't sending teams before, right? Well, remember, they didn't, they didn't used, used to, to be at University Worlds every year. Right. It so was yeah, like every yeah, other no. year or every we, two years or something. But we would still have that We'd still have it, yeah. And yeah. The brackets would be significantly down, but I don't know if they will be this year because you haven't wrestled since they were not March. That, I remember when there was no worlds; it was a, it was pretty salty. Still, I gotta I gotta try to remember. Like the year that Imar and Chance wrestled, was there U twenty three worlds that year? I don't or University worlds. I don't think there was. I don't know. Do you remember Imar? I wrestled? remember them wrestling. I just don't remember if there was. Uh, and do you remember Imar ever wrestling at Worlds University Worlds? I do not. I know. do not. I know there are other matches. Yeah, I, but that's I just, don't think I don't think so. Yeah. So perhaps 
Yeah. So be on the lookout for that. Hopefully that's coming soon. And uh, then you'll have Should more be players. This morning. Then I think the colleges will say, okay, we could, some guys should go here, some should go here, some should go here. And then I think they'll register. Because if you're a university and you've got a guy, he's pretty good, but should he really be in senior nationals? Maybe not. We'd rather he went to juniors or U23s. But if there is no juniors or U23s, we'll put him in senior nationals. But until we know that, you know. You why, uh, at this point, um, why wouldn't you why wouldn't you have your guys do everything because there's going to be no competitive wrestling till January 1st and so you know obviously even those younger guys would usually be doing i don't know 20 matches at, yeah. at open tournaments in November December why not just have them go get matches? especially if you're um especially if you're relatively you know Iowa northern Iowa Minnesota Missouri like these 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 colleges that are four hours, hop in the van, drive your ass up there, wrestle some matches, you know, you get some reps in. Yes, uh, I agree with that. And also knowing not only are you not going to be able to wrestle till January, but anyone that's not a starter, how are they going to get a match? How are you going to get a match? That, they're yeah. Not, they're not going to have opens. That's even better point. So basically, yeah, it ain't folk style, but my gosh, it's, it's, Something. it's wrestling yeah. and it's high level wrestling. So I, I think a lot of teams yeah. w- would have to reach that conclusion because if, if you're redshirting, you're literally just training. You're not going to get any match. You're right. There's going to be no opens. You're not going to get any matches at all. Exactly. So that's going to make it. Uh, that's going to make it really tough. So yeah. I, I dare say it would be smart. I know I talked with the, with the coach. He's like, we were planning on sending our entire team to something in, in a combination of seniors, juniors, U23s. He's like, everyone was going to go to one of those. So. Um, you know, I was a Big Ten t- coach. I-, I feel like that's that's going to be a pretty pervasive thought, right? Mm-hmm. So, and uh, someone's asking when is the U.S. Open? Yeah, Bracky, it is uh, the ninth through the eleventh. Yeah, October 9th through eleventh. So coming up soon, dude. It's it's gonna it's happening, Ben. It's happening. Things are we're gonna have wrestling. We're gonna have consistent wrestling for for a little bit. Boom. Very excited. Uh, we're. We're getting closer on a couple more uh, announcements for the eight man. Couple. Oh, uh, we are. Couple contracts have gone out. We may be bringing. I'm not going to na- name drop here, but we may be bringing not one Gabe Dean, but two people out of retirement, <laughs> and into the into the eight man. And that's it's all. It's not I'll me. Say. It's not me. <laughs> it's not. It, <laughs> is, it is it my not, brother? It is Max Askren. No, it is not. Max like a Askren. bunch of. Uh, Why would he not? Of, uh, oh my gosh! I didn't even think about you that. Should, you should call him a bunch of. <laughs> Uh, academy parents are harassing him. You know, they were, they were, we have like a private members group and they were all tagging him and saying he should do it. I don't think he's in good shape. I don't know. He can only hit fireman's carries though. Yeah, fireman's and, and headlocks. <laughs> you still need to have him on FRL one time so uh, uh, we can grill him about, about fireman's carries. Yeah, he should come on and defend himself. It's really funny because pretty much every clinician or high-level guy we had in in September, you know, they, they – they, they hear, they show it, and then obviously when they show it, you know, at least one guy from Max's academy specifically said, you know, it comes up, right? And then, the, then the clinician's like, "Wait, what?" And uh, yeah, and then the debate starts. That's so, so funny. That's great. Did Spencer Lee show it? <laughs> yeah, Spencer's got to carry. Come on, Spencer showed it. Yeah, of course, Yanni showed it. <laughs> Spencer showed it. Um, I've never seen well, Yanni hit a it. carry. He definitely showed it. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's so funny. Um, I, I need this national champion to explain to me. 
why his wrestling philosophy. Okay. Hey, we've got. I, I, I don't want to make you guys wait for this. Th- you're gonna like this. Oh. I want to show the first two minutes of Metcalf because it is so good. Oh. Okay. And it's gonna make you want to watch it. This is uh, this is uh this is his his he's you're Christian. You're showing the first two minutes. That's all you got, and then you're going to Mexico. Yeah, it's a two minute film. This is all we came up with, but it's pretty good. I think you're gonna like it. Uh, Tyler, roll it whenever you're ready. He could wrestle for days. He never got tired. It was almost like the the huge gunshot wound, and you all you have is like a little band aid. You try to control the bleeding, but you can't stop the bleeding because he was coming for you. Many men won a wrestling match. Very few men won a war. He won an award. And that man, Brett Metcalf, a three-time All-American in the 140. Out of the gate, he was awesome. He was awesome. He just, he had a high-level mentality and not a lot rattled him. He's very, he's very crafty. He wrestles a hard pace and he's going to be in your face and he's, he's got that tank. Brett Metcalf has done it. He was mean. He'd punish you in every way possible. He built a brand in 2010. It was the Brett Metcalf brand. He was almost a fairy tale. It was like a myth, you know? And then once he got on the mat, it was like his whole personality just came out. This hard, tough kid from Michigan. You don't tear down a shop and say, I got to fix everything. You do what you've been doing, you just do it at a better level and a higher level. There was no one in the country who could stand up to what he had to bring to the table. He was tough. We're talking world, Olympic, and national championship philosophy. The mentality of win or nothing, I've beat the best guys in the world, but it's not all about winning. I went in there with the purpose to go and separate myself from everybody. It was like, send a message to the world. The Metcalf's here. Boom. That's all you get. That's the film. Nice. Please watch it. I think you'll like it, Brent Metcalf. As, uh, as mentioned, um, three episodes? Three. Three episodes. Okay, episode one's like 40 minutes long. Allegedly. It's really, really good. Um, hope you so like it. So every Wednesday now? This week? Or next two weeks? Yes. Yes. Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. So be ready for that. Uh, ben, did you have some... Uh, you wanted to talk Metcalf memories. Well, I just thought, you know, obviously we're, we're having this thing about him. And it's, you know, again, that was kind of like my era. Uh, and that was kind of the era you said you started watching wrestling. So what was mm-hmm. your... You know, what was your favorite Metcalf memory? And obviously for me, it wasn't like I was a huge Metcalf fan. I was I was somewhere in the middle. You know, there was things to love about him and there was things to hate about him. So I would definitely say for me, I was somewhere in the middle. Um, uh, you know, it wasn't like I was all the way against him and it wasn't like I was all the way for him. I found myself to be somewhere in the middle. What, what were the things that made you uh, have extreme thoughts about Ben, whether or about Brent, whether you liked him or disliked him? Uh, I mean, obviously, you just as a wrestling guy, you, you love the pace and you love the toughness and you, you love that that part of it, right? But then there was so then on the opposite side for me, there was still like I just my own code was like I could try to beat him up as bad as I want within the confines of the rules and and during the whistle. But once the whistle blows out of bounds, like you're allowed to pretty much do anything you want. When they blow the whistle again, you don't need to do stuff after the whistle. And I always felt like there was this thing where he would, you know, always do these things after the whistle. And then obviously the, the biggest culmination was 
And, and this one actually wasn't after the whistle, but I think most people saw this out of bounds was the Caldwell one. Yes. Where that we was, pushed him during the backflip. Yes, that was a that was a famous one for sure. Um, yeah, certainly. I feel like the mystique around Brent was prior to that, and then that happened. He shoves Caldwell after the whistle and everything. Then it it spiraled into a different dimension, really. Yeah. So I, I don't know. As far as like Metcalf memories, um, I think the the Mueller pin. Again, in the Iowa State duel is definitely mm, one I, I remember. That was just such a – there was so much energy around that duel. There's so much anticipation. Iowa State was so good that year. It was the first KJ yeah. year, I believe. And they had Varner and Zabriskie and Gallic and other guys. They had, a, they had a really good team. And Mitch Mueller was a really salty wrestler. And not that anyone thought he would win, but the pin was so big and how loud it was and – he let a belt out and all this and that. Um, Joe Flo nailed that call mm-hmm. big time. Uh, so, th- so that was that was a great memory, uh, a very vivid memory. Um, maybe the biggest one for me was the Schlater Metcalf Big Ten Finals. You want to talk about that had been building for years, yeah. right? Like that was building bigger than Caldwell rematch even. Oh, yeah. Because at that time, it was like, okay, Slater had been a national champ. Metcalf had not been, but this was like the chance, and they had they had missed it. They, they either didn't duel or they missed in the duel. Something happened. Then they hit in the Big Ten Finals, and it was super close, right? And a lot of people thought, I know I thought, after that, I was like, that's going to be the NCAA Finals too. Like, I thought that. Yeah. I thought, I was like, sure, it's going to be those two again, and it's going to be really close and really tight match. And then... Caldwell upsets Schlater, Jenkins beats Caldwell. But anyways, in that match, in the Big Ten Finals, it was back and forth. I think uh, Schlater hit a beautiful slide by on him for two. I mean, Schlater was on that level. And this is the year Brent won the Hodge, right? And that was a really close match. And then at the end, he freaking, he got his arm on the back of it. And he's like flexing on him, just like holding him down like as, as time expires. I, that was a super vivid memory, and that certainly did not – if you did not like Brent Metcalf, how he won that match would not have uh, changed your mind, mm-hmm. I don't think. Uh, so yeah. that, that's I, a few so I think the interesting thing about the, the Schlater and Metcalf rivalry, um, you know, as we're looking back at it, is it didn't totally come to total fruition because – you know, Brent wrestled. Sorry, Brent. Dustin wrestled as a true freshman, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they they both graduated high school two thousand five, and then Dustin wrestled as a true freshman. Brent was there, and then obviously Brent the, the following year. I don't know that he was. What do you call it? Suspended. He wasn't able to wrestle, right? Because they didn't give him the transfer. He had to sit out. In L- yeah, he had to, he had to sit out. And so you, you essentially missed those first two years of you know if, if they both redshirt and they both wrestle in two thousand seven, they're both starting as freshmen then. But so by the time. Uh, Brent has eligibility in 2008. Um, you know, Dustin would have been a junior. He already had two years of NCAA experience. So I thought that was, uh, and then obviously, you know, he gets upset by Darren Caldwell to your point. Um, so that what would have been a really, really great rivalry kind of almost never came to fruition. Yeah. Then between injuries, their careers not lining up and Schlater eventually went to 157, even spent some time at 65. Uh, he made the mm-hmm. world team at seventy four, so yeah, the the it was definitely a rivalry that that didn't materialize. I mean, the the NCAA final 
that he beat Bubba Jenkins is, was really interesting because he gave up like the first two takedowns, mm-hmm. yes. and then mm-hmm. he almost got the major basically only on takedowns, I think. Or he may have got a two-and-two, two, held him on, on a takedown. But, I think it was um, two-and-two. Two. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the other thing, and this is really funny because um, – and this, I don't know if this – yeah, we'll get into it. Uh, in, in MMA, we Brian and I, who do we do an MMA podcast, we talked about the top MMA personalities. And one of the things I didn't really think about going into it was the interplay between other people. And so what we noticed was that you know within that top ten, almost everybody had there was some connection, fought each other, or you know multiple fought each other. And so then when you think about like NCAA wrestling personalities. Like when you look at this 2008 bracket, which is obviously a relatively famous bracket, but not just on how good they were, but the personalities that would come out of this bracket, you know, and it it did Metcalf make some of these guys shine a little bit more. And I think the answer is yes. You know, you have uh, Brett Metcalf, huge personality, Lance Palmer, Jordan Burroughs, Darren Caldwell, Bubba Jenkins, Dustin Schlater. Like that's huge. For wrestling personalities, that's like a huge bracket. Yes. Yes. I mean, I'm saying, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the best bracket ever for a variety of reasons, right? And not yeah. only what, what those guys became, but the just having Metcalf be the the top guy at that was made it extra meaningful and what those guys went on to become. And, yeah, some huge person. I mean, Jordan Burrow's the biggest personality in the sport, in the world right now, yeah. for since yeah. basically 2012, probably. That's been true. For quite a while here, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So totally uh, – yeah, what what are some of your 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 fondest memories, Ben or Kyle? Um, Go ahead, Ben. How old were you, how old were you when so you I was in college? I was in high school when he was uh, in college, and oh, that's perfect. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I loved Brett Metcalf. I thought he was I thought he was the best. I loved the I loved the extra stuff after the whistle and people getting pissed what? off at Come him. on, Kyle. No, it was great. It was great. Save that's, it for the whistle. <laughs> that's what made him him, you know? And uh, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. And I, it's a kind of a funny story. But so my junior year was uh, the year he lost to Caldwell in the NCAA finals. And okay. I was at NCAAs that year. And I, I just lost in the state finals like I don't know, three weeks before that. And before the finals, um, my head coach at, at Parksburg High School, shout out Coach Way, he always listens. Um, but he was talking to me. He's like, you need to watch Brent Metcalf film every night before you go to bed. Just every night, <laughs> pop in a match, just watch Brent Metcalf, just wrestle like him, be relentless, da-da-da-da. And so then he goes out and just gets you know messed up by Metcalf. Or Yeah, Cole, sorry. And uh, we were sitting in different parts of the arena, so I texted him. I was like, should I watch Darian Caldwell now <laughs> every night before bed? Uh, but no, I loved Brent, and uh, it, it was really awesome growing up as a high school kid and like going to NCAAs and watching him and stuff. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's so funny that you liked the after the whistle stuff, whistle stuff and I was always high, highly annoyed by it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Man, I, I guess the biggest thing for me was I was so shocked. And, you know, I just I think there's this expectation that he was going to make both the 2012 and 2016 Olympic teams. And obviously he was a mainstay uh the senior level for such a long period of time. And, you know, like I said I wasn't like a huge Brent Metcalf fan. I, I was somewhere in the middle. And I, but I will say when he didn't make the team in 16, I, I don't know. I felt like 
just as a wrestling fan, disappointed that he didn't make it because even though I wasn't his biggest backer, after all that time, you want to see someone get what they trained for. Or I don't want to say get what you earn, right? That's not the right statement. But it was just like I felt like there was something that was kind of left um, unfulfilled when he didn't make the team at 16. And I was, you know, I was obviously, I'm sure, didn't feel the same emotions he felt, but I was very disappointed for him. Yeah, for for sure that was, um, you know, one of a, – a, a true picture of how this sport really is. Like you don't, yeah. your your ending is not. You don't get to pick it, right? In general, yes, it gets mm-hmm. chosen for you. And you know, you go out. He went out with a loss to Molinero, and then he lost on the backside. I think to Ness, right? I mean, that is like un, unheard of, and it's just like the worst way you can think for a career to end. And mm-hmm. it just kind of shows how brutal. The sport is, and I agree. And when you consider how close he was in 15 to meddling and that he almost yeah. beat um, the Iranian. Was it Tagabi? No, no, that was in 13. He almost okay. he was right there, but he did lose to Tagavi. He broke Tagavi in defeat, and then Tagavi had nothing left in the next match, and then uh, that was a thing. But no, in 15, what was the – Mohammadi? I forget his name. That gone it my memory, but he's a good Iranian. I don't know if he ever won worlds, but he was super super good, and he almost had him. He had a, it was debatable with he had two on a on an exposure, but he didn't. Um, Rocky's looking it up, but that's you said it was fifteen. It was twenty fifteen Vegas Worlds. I remember it. He almost beat him, and then to go from there to you lose to Molinero, you lose on the backside, and then your career, and he never wrestles again. Holy cow. Someone actually asked yeah. in the uh, FRL questions, I think, is where I saw it, if Metcalf would, like, enter one of these, uh, one of our brackets, our, our 20K brackets. Awesome. 150. That would be awesome. I I don't know if he would or wouldn't, but, you know, 20K, maybe. maybe a, you could get down to 155, you throw in that 155 bracket, that makes it a little more interesting. Yeah, maybe 150. I think we're, we like 150, but we'll see. Oh, uh, um, okay. Like, That'd be harder for him. Well, I guess he wrestled 143, but you know, I think he's put on some size since then. Yeah, he's he's big. He's a big guy. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, Becky's man, going. get this Iranian name. Let's go. Well, it's it's quite long. It's <laughs> Muhammadi. It's Muhammadi. Muhammadi Pane. Yeah, there's there's a lot of letters, a lot more letters than I remember. Okay. But um, <laughs> yeah, so um, so those are a few a few of uh, the best memories. It it was wild. I mean, he was such a a polarizing figure in college wrestling. Yeah. Um, and he was just regarded as as whether one thing that was basically agreed upon was no no one was like yeah, but he's not that good. Everyone was like, I can't stand that guy, but he's amazing. I can't believe how oh, yeah. hard he can wrestle. Yep. And the fact that like, I don't know. You you don't really see a lot of guys who you just know they're. They're going to wilt their guys by the third period. But Brent was one of those guys that could do that, right? It's like, yes. that's not really a weapon that you, that's not sustainable, right? It's like, okay, this guy right, might yeah. break, but it just so happens that, that he got really tired. It just, it just doesn't happen that way very much. But Brent was mm-hmm. one of those guys, and he did it. He was good on top. He had like a good figure four Turk thing. He, he yep. would turn guys, but he was basically just a, a, a neutral dynamo and – he was, he was, he was one of a kind. That's for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Okay. I want to get to a few questions. We only have five minutes before we go. I thought this question was super interesting, Ben. Um, What's it? In the event Nickel and Taylor lace them up, which coach is in their corners? How do you do this? Oh, yeah. I, I, we saw I, that was someone supposed to say yesterday. What do they do, Christian? Do they say hands off or what? I don't know. For no, you gotta. You have to have someone. Someone in the has corner. to be there. You gotta have someone in the corner. You gotta have someone throwing the brick. You gotta have someone that can talk to you between periods. I I feel. I mean, Kale has to be in David's corner. There's just no way. Um, and is it Casey and Bose or is it Cody or someone? But there's. Why can't I, they just say go fight go fight it out? I've done that with my guys before. I don't see why you couldn't do that. If you're the coaches, be like, listen, guys, we've done this far. I we don't want to show any favoritism. Go fight it out. I mean, sure. Okay, all right. There's gonna there's a crazy scramble. Someone's gotta throw the brick, right? Throw your own brick. You can't. <laughs> you can't. Pat Downey found Pat that Downey out found at that the US out. Open. In, Spencer Mango had to throw a brick for him. In twenty seventeen, yeah. You could have a child in your quarter, and you could give them a signal. <laughs> okay, kid, throw the brick. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. I, I, they're not gonna empty chair it. I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how you pick that one. I don't know if you rotate. You know, if it's the finals, and you say, okay, you got these guys for match one, and then we're gonna flop for match two, or you know, I don't know. That that's that it. It's it's gonna get awkward because you know. I mean, for me, it's like uh, you know, if I watch my guys wrestle after the match, I might go tell them. Hey man, you you made this mistake. You know, if sure. you want to beat him next time, this is something you need to prove on. And I might go do it to both of them, right? But at the point where we're in Olympic trials finals and it's best two out of three, and literally there's another hour before you wrestle, is the Penn State coaches and whoever whoever they are are they really going to feel that comfortable going to Bo Nickel and saying, "Hey, here's where he beat you. Here's where you need to make the changes to beat David for the next match." And and likewise, are David, you know, the coach. Yeah, that I would feel, I would feel very uncomfortable as a coach doing that at that point in time. You know, not saying yes. or, you know again like at a freestyle state tournament, it's it's less meaningful. And we're making talking about the Olympic team, something that might change one of their lives. Are they really going to feel comfortable doing that, or would it be better to say, guys, man, we we got, I love you both, and at this point, we got to be hands off. Yeah. I feel like that's probably the I want to I don't say it's probably the safer route, right? That's something that you should just feel like go get them. Yeah, I don't know how you. I, I think the more hands off you are, the less likely you are to have feelings hurt or or you know create a, a, yeah. a fracture there, right? So yeah, because yeah, it's so tough. It's so tough. I mean, and you know we we've so we've seen this happen twice now with Iowa where it hasn't worked out, right? So. Um, first it was the Dennis Ramos and then Gilman Dennis and now Gilman Lee. We've kind of seen this play out and it hasn't really played out all that positively in any of those circumstances. No, it's, it is, uh, yeah, it's really, really tough. Um, I, yeah, I don't know how you, how you handle it. I think you got to be in their corner, but what one thing I think communication solves it all. It's like, obviously let's address this. I mean, it's, it's something that's like, okay, Bo's going A6, David, you're going A6. Hey, let's get in a room. Here's how we – let's figure out how do we handle this as coaches. Like, how do you want to see this done? And you yeah. communicate proactively like, hey, it's going to go like this. We're going to do it yeah. like this. We're going to still try to get you as good as we can up to this point. But ultimately, best case scenario, you guys are wrestling each other at, at the Olympic trials. So yeah. 
we got to prepare for that, and here's how we think we should do yes. it. And if you come to those conclusions cooperatively with them, they're adults. They get it, right? And this is not going to be the first time this happens at Nittany Lion, right? This, they're going to have – there are going to be different scenarios where they're going to have the two best guys. Um, yes, I agree. So they – I'm, I doubt they're like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. I'm sure they thought about it. Yeah, I, and knowing I, I them, would, they've communicated about it too. I would say be pro, proactive helps, but still at that moment, if you're giving someone advice to beat someone else, man, that, that, get, that gets really challenging. Well, that's what you, that's so, what you discuss, right? It's like, hey, you know, between yeah. matches, you know, we're probably not going to be giving you the, hey, set your right hand, do this, Yeah, do exactly, this. exactly. Yeah. Because that so that, that's what I would say. I would just say, guys, we're we're out. We love you both. We're out. We're not. Gonna, I'm, I'm not getting involved in this. This is your situation to figure out with each other. We'll sit in your corner. We'll give you water. We'll tell you off. I'll throw you the brick, and I ain't telling you nothing else. Yeah, I think that's the best that's way to do it. Okay. On that note, it's go time. Nine o'clock. Go watch Metcalf. Bracky may or may not have put it in the Facebook Facebook chat for oh, you guys. I did. It's up on the site. You can watch it now. Happy, happy Metcalf Wednesday. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow for sure. To talk Metcalf, talk other things. Maybe we'll have a couple more announcements for the eight-man. Lots of things to be excited about if you're oh. a wrestling fan. It's coming back. Should have a U23 Juniors announcement soon. Thanks so much. See you tomorrow. Happy Wednesday. 